Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. While you're turning there, uh, welcome again, everyone. Glad that you're here. Pray that God has already blessed you through the morning. Hey, Daniel, Gina, I understand congratulations are in order. They got engaged, was it last night? I'm Facebook savvy, I saw that. I'm right on top of things. Congrats, guys. Hey, welcome, everyone. Glad that you're here. Let's read this passage together. It says in Isaiah 9, 2 through 7, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Let the word of God ring true. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What four great titles written hundreds of years before Jesus ever comes about who he will be. There's so much figurative language in here that talks about um, peace coming. And one who will usher in peace. In this passage of the titles of Christ, the last one, the one that ends it, is he'll be called Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. As your pastor, I feel many times I need to confess my own weakness as I stand up here because I don't want to appear to you as one who has all of these things in order. As a matter of fact, whatever topic I happen to be preaching on that week, I seem to discover I have a relative lack of that topic uh, in my life. Things happen that uh, last week we were uh, preaching on joy and I, uh, things happened that robbed me of my joy. And I realized, you know, my joy is too much dependent upon circumstances. This morning, I woke up, and I had a relative lack of peace in my life. Have you ever had those times where you just wake up, and you're, you're ticked off, and you're not really sure at whom? No one's done anything to you at this point. Maybe it was the alarm that went off, or maybe it's just the way that things uh, accumulate. We, it happens. It jumps on us where we have this this relative lack of peace in our lives, and many times we don't even know why. Many of us are longing for a sense of peace in our journey, and and part of the problem is we can't even identify why it is we don't have peace. There's just something stirring in us that at times 
makes us anxious. We need peace. In the world today, this is a map of current events, by the way, uh, November of this year. These are sites in the world that are, ex that are experiencing conflict. And I don't mean just like, you know, we could put home conflict worldwide on this map. I'm talking about where uh, arms are being drawn and people are shooting at each other from very severe situations to very, what well, we would say are minor skirmishes. But these are places on the planet where that is taking place. It's estimated that last year in 2018, some 100,000 people on the planet died as a result of armed skirmishes, wars, interactions between people groups that went wrong. 100,000. And by the way, that is considered a very good year. I mean, it's not bad, really, in the overall scope of things. We've had much worse years than that. Uh, you could contrast that with the half million who were killed last year, five times as many were killed uh, by homicide in the world. So even though conflict, we may say, is down, 100,000, half a million were killed at the hands of another. Many times someone they know, someone they love, someone that they were in contact with. We see a relative lack of peace everywhere around us. I mean, think about just this past week in the political arena in the United States or take Great Britain or any other powerful nation on the earth, there is an unbelievable lack of peace. As a matter of fact, we think the more antagonistic we are to one another, the greater chance we have of winning the battle. Back when I was really young, and I know that's saying something nowadays um, because it's getting further and further away, in the late 60s, I would come home from school and watch reruns of what was at the time my favorite show, and it's not much past my favorite show now, which was Star Trek. And so Star Trek, it didn't become a big hit when it was first broadcast in the mid-60s. It became a much bigger cult hit as the reruns were done every day. I got to where I could say the lines with the characters, because there were only like three seasons of Star Trek. The creator of Star Trek was a guy named Gene Roddenberry. And Gene Roddenberry, his idea was to, to have a, a, a place where peace would reign among various people groups. So on the bridge of the Enterprise, you had men, you had women, you had people from their planets, you had black, white, Asian. And, and, and he said in his, one of his quotes, he said, the strength of a civilization is not measured by its ability to fight wars, but rather by its ability to prevent them. He was an advocate for peace. The problem was that even among the cast of Star Trek, there was no peace. Uh, they, they fought. They couldn't get along. They didn't speak to each other for years and years and years. And they would badmouth each other until they had to come back together for a movie together, which made them a lot of money, and then they would live at some sort of detente for a period of time before they went out their own way. In other words, peace was this made-up ideal among even those around. Many times we 
we look at current events and we look at the word of God and we say there is just no peace. Karl Barth, the famous theologian from Swiss theologian, uh, said this, take your Bible and take your newspaper and read both. But interpret newspapers from your Bible, not the Bible from your newspapers. People, we would do well to write this down in this day and age. Quit interpreting the Bible through current events. By the way, I could go back over hundreds of years of theology and talk about how theology has changed based on man's current situation. Especially eschatology, end-time theology. It changes based on current events. And current events dictate what many times become the prevailing eschatological views, meaning end-time views, whether Christ will return, whether it be the nation of Israel, whether it be the temple being rebuilt, whether it be Christ is going to come and snatch us out of all of this, whether we're in the middle of the tribulation or not, or antichrist, or who it might be. Let the Bible guide your view of the world. Otherwise, you'll you'll have a relative lack of peace. I want to look at this title, Prince of Peace, just for a moment today, to talk about how we can receive peace in our lives. The first point is this, walk in peace with God. Walk in peace with God. He is, he will be called the Prince of Peace. Caroline, would you help me? I was doing so well. And he will be called Prince of Peace. Things were going really well with my clicker. (laughs) Until they aren't. There's this aspect of peace with God, walking in peace with God. It has to do with relationship. In other words, if you want to receive peace in your life and walk in peace, we've talked about the gospel over the past week, that really you have to be in relationship with God. Jesus initiated peace at his birth. He initiated peace at his birth. The angels came and sang, glory to God in the highest. God has sent his son. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to men on whom his favor rests. When he comes, he initiates peace. Now, it says in the book of Galatians, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Peace came as a result of Christ coming to this earth. He initiated peace at his birth. Not only that, he taught peace in his life. He taught peace in his life. John 16, says this. I've told you these things so that in me you may have what? Peace. In this world, what will you have? Trouble. Trouble. What is the one thing I can promise you you, you will have in this world? Trouble. Now, you see, you don't even want to say that. You're much more, you're much more into, uh, in this world, you, you, you can have peace. But when, I, when Jesus promises trouble, 
Many of us, we back off and we say, eh, I don't know. Listen, it, it is one of the promises of God that you will have trouble in this life. Thank you, Caroline. That you will have trouble in this life. You're going to have issues. You're going to have situations that will arise. If you think the way to get peace is to organize your life so that you will not have trouble, you're in for a rude awakening. Now you can say, amen, pastor, that's good. Some of us, that's what we want to do. We want to organize our lives so we don't have problems, and we see that as peace. If I can just go home, if I can just sit in my chair, if I can just put on the football game, if my kids will not bother me, if my wife won't tell me there's one more thing to do in the house, if, there, if I could just have peace. People, that's not peace. That's like right above death. In this world, you will have trouble. What's a sign of life? Trouble. What's a sign of God's presence in your life? Problems. There will be a day when that won't be the case. But right now, we can say, I have peace. Because God, his presence is with me. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. People, I could stay here for a long time because this is what, where we go too many times, even within the church. We look to the world for peace. Think about it. We, we look to the world's answers, finances, Political gains? Jesus says, I don't give you as the world gives you. If you look for peace in the way the world gives peace or wants peace, that's not the kind of peace you're going to get. My peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. Jesus brought peace by his death. He initiates it at his birth. He teaches it in his life, and he brings it in his death. He says this in Colossians 1, 19 through 22, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. We talked about this, the incarnation last week, and the truth of Jesus being fully God and fully man. And through him to reconcile to himself all things. In other words, to bring into relationship all things. Bring us back into relationship with God. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, how? By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Peace comes because of what Christ did on the cross. His blood shed for us. His blood spilled for us. Because of that, we have peace goes on and says, once you are alienated from God, you are enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. 
But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. How can we have peace with God? We have peace with God because Jesus shed his blood. And because of his blood, we who were enemies are now not only friends, we're family of God. And we can have, we can have peace. I, I don't even understand this interaction that God did for us. But now he's reconciled you. Okay, now I'm in a good relationship with God. That's nice, right? right? Once I was his enemy, but now I'm his friend. Now I'm part of the family. Agree with me? Just say, yeah, that's good. Here's what's unbelievable about it, though. He presents you holy in his sight without blemish. I don't know about you, but I've been a little blemished this morning. Either my thought or my words or my behavior, just this morning. I've had a couple of pimples block up, blemishes that have just jumped on me. If I try to take care of my dermatology problem by myself, I will never be right before God. But because of his blood, he can present me without blemish before God. I can live at peace with God. I can live at peace with myself because of what Christ has done. It is incredible. Which leads me to the second point, which is live at peace with yourself and others. God has given me peace. God has brought it. If I'm walking with God, I'm a man of peace. I'm a person of peace. That gives me the ability to live at peace, well, first of all, with me, which is probably the least peaceful relationship in my life. I don't know about you, but... Really, the war in my own heart with myself is many times the real battleground for me. I find most of you much easier to live with than myself. And many of you do as well. You're battling inwardly the struggles that you have in your life. Live at peace with yourself and with others. It says in Isaiah 9-7, of the increase of his government and Peace, there will be no end. I'm at passage ahead. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now, many of us, we see this as outward, but I, I want to first focus it on inward. Let it rule in your heart. Because if you don't have peace in your heart, you're not going to have peace anywhere else. Right? If you don't have internal peace, you won't have external peace. You may fake it for a while, but eventually that what's in is going to come out. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. And if, if you're living with a lack of peace in your heart, which I got to tell you, I know. I know that I struggle with this. I know you struggle with it because you're lots worse than me. And so <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was a joke. I just want to see if you're still with me. Let it rule in your hearts. The way this is translated is like it, it should be the arbiter of your hearts. It's the umpire of your heart. It, it is the one making the calls of right and wrong in your heart. Let that rule in your heart. When you come across situations and circumstances, in other words, when the devil starts to lie to you about you, how are you going to make a decision about what's truth? 
Because I know we all have this. What, what, is, what is conviction? In other words, where is God trying to tell me I need to, to, to be convicted of sin versus where is condemnation of the enemy, lies of the enemy trying to jump on me? How am I going to decide? Well, I believe you let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let it be the arbiter. Let it be the umpire of your hearts to make a decision. Let, let the Spirit of God minister life and truth to you to say, God, if, if this is something you want me to stop doing, give me wisdom about it. Give me, give me a peace about it. This is where that phrase comes from other than just, you know, Christianese being thrown around like I really don't want to make a decision. Oh, if God gives me a peace about it, I'll do it. No, no, let it really be a piece about it in your heart. And if you know that, oh, wait a minute, this is, not, this is not of God. I have no peace in this. Let it arbitrate for your decision. You say, well, that sounds really kind of hyper-spiritual. You can live a lot of different ways in your life. But at some point, you have to confess, I am a spiritual being. Making decisions that matter for all of eternity. Don't let it rob you of your peace. Let peace rule and reign in your hearts. I think it'll even grow. He says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. I think that's external, but I think it's also internal. That peace will grow in your hearts and in your lives. It says in Ephesians 4, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now we're talking external, within the body of Christ. Try to keep the bond of peace. Where's the church robbed of its witness most of the time? It's because Christians cannot get along. Christians can't get along. We have a, we have a problem with our getting alongness. I mean, we're mad at each other all the time. We start, and then, rather than saying, hey, let's have a discussion about this topic. Then somebody throws a bomb in the room, and the next thing you know, everybody's mad at everybody. I mean, honestly, I, I hate to go into politics. I, 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 I don't even want to, but you know Trump got impeached this week. Did you all know that? Now, for those of you who don't understand, the impeachment process doesn't mean he lost his job yet yet. Then the Christians who've been pretty much in Trump's corner, suddenly an editor for Christianity Today writes an editorial saying it's time for Trump to, to go. I, I, have, I have no view on this at the moment, whether he should stay or go. So don't look to me to the answer. What I've been amazed at is the responses. The responses on all sides. I mean, you would have thought that this editor had suddenly said, um, you know, that, that Christianity is a lie and that Jesus doesn't still rule and reign by the responses that are coming out within the Christian community. Now, I know a lot of things about President Trump. I, whether I voted for him or not, none of your business. But here's the one thing I know. Trump is not Jesus. He's not. If you look to a person for a, as a savior, you're going to be sadly, sadly, sadly broken. Amen. Because there's only one. There's only one. 
And if we want to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, then we won't call brothers and sisters names, even if we disagree with them. We'll disagree with them, but we won't call them XYZs, whatever those things are, a lot of which have been leveled this week. We're not doing a very good job of making every effort to keep the bond of peace, are we? You know, every effort says, hey, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We quickly get to the point where it's like, let's just drop, let's just Twitter something about how horrid this person is or that person is. In the body of Christ, we need to live at peace. It says in Philippians, that's my, you can be mad at me about my political commentary. I don't think I said anything other than Trump isn't Jesus that would be offensive. Um, hopefully you, don't, you didn't find that, a, that too offensive. Yeah. Philippians 4 says this. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, let me just stop there. <laughs> I think we got this reversed in most of our lives. We are anxious about everything and pray only about some things. Right? We're thankful only about some things. Instead, pop it around. Don't be anxious about anything. Well, Pastor, you don't know my situation. You don't know what's going on in my life. You don't know how mean my sister was to me the other day. You don't know what's going on at work. You don't know how my finances are a wreck. You don't know that uh, my husband is being unfaithful to me. You don't know that uh, addictions are, I'm struggling with addictions. Listen, I, I get it. I've had anxious moments these past weeks. I think anxiety and anxiousness will jump on any of us. And it takes, it takes a position before the Lord to say, I will not be anxious about anything. Instead, I'm going to present everything to God in thanksgiving. Wait a minute, even those things that are jumping on me? Even those things that are going wrong? Yeah, be thankful. You're still breathing. Thankful about, I've got first world problems. My cell phone's not working right. You know, come on. Some of the things we struggle with, nobody else in the world is struggling with. Because they don't have those benefits in their life. And the peace of God, which transcends, by the way, all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Listen, if we're walking at peace with God, we're living at peace internally, and then attempting to the best we can to live at peace around us, we have the ability to have a transcendent guard over our hearts and minds. Some of the reason we don't have peace is because we've let down the guard. We've, we've, we've tried to understand everything. We've tried to work like the world has done. We've only prayed when it got rough. 
and things got terrible, instead pray about everything. Be thankful about everything. Ask for wisdom about everything. You may be saying, well, about everything? Should, should I ask about buying this car, about doing this or making this? Listen, he says, pray about everything. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Try and hear from God in these circumstances and situations. Final point is this. Proclaim peace to the world. Again, don't start by proclaiming peace if you don't have no peace. Right? If you're not walking with God, if you're not letting the peace of God rule in your heart, if you're not living in peace in your home, don't go out, don't go out proclaiming peace. Let peace rule, reign, then proclaim. Proclaim this peace to the world. Now, you're not going to be perfect. Don't wait till then. I'm just saying, start walking in some peace yourself. It says in Isaiah 9, 7, Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Now, here's what I want to say on this point, proclaiming peace to the world. There is a peace that is available to us now, but let's confess, we don't all experience peace all the time. I mean, that's just not, don't go around saying, you know what, I'm, like, I'm, I'm telling you this morning, I've felt this anxiousness in my life, this lack of peace. I'm proclaiming in faith I have peace, but I realize that emotionally and spiritually I'm struggling a little bit today. Listen, we're, we're in this tension between the times when Jesus has come showing us how to walk with God, how to walk in peace and initiating peace, but we're not in full peace yet. But there's coming a day. There is coming a day when peace will fully be realized. Right? It's coming. It says in the uh, some, just a couple of passages. Here's Micah 4, 3. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. People, can we agree that day has not yet come? More people are taking their, their, their plows and turning them into spears than the other way around still. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Every man will sit under his own vine and under his own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid, for the Lord Almighty has spoken. All the nations may walk in the name of their gods. We will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. There is coming a day that has not yet come that this will take place. We see it inaugurated with Jesus, but we haven't seen it fully realized until the second advent. You know, this whole time of advent is saying, prepare our hearts, Lord, to worship Jesus for his first coming. But at the same time, we're crying in our hearts, even so, Lord Jesus, quickly come. Looking forward to his second advent. Preparing our hearts and lives for the day when peace will rule and reign forever and ever. Second Peter says... But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? I, I don't I really have time to preach on this passage. I've done it before, and it's a great passage. I mean, 
Really, look around. We say this in my house when stuff breaks down. Ah, it's, it's all going to burn. You know, trying to get some level of peace in our life. It's really not that big a deal. It's all going to burn anyway. Look around. Everything's going to burn. Everything's going to be destroyed by fire. The thing you think is most important to possess in your life right now, one day it'll burn. And he says, get, get this view in your life. It's all going to burn. So now, how should you live then? Well, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God. And do what? And speed its coming. We're helping. We're moving forward in destiny before the Lord. He goes on, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. Talk about global warming. Uh, but in keeping with the promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. The home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Let peace be proclaimed. Let peace rule over all the stuff of your life. Let peace be shown to the world around us. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim what? Peace. Proclaim peace. Who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. In this world, there are people who are peace breakers. They love just to shatter peace. It gives them great joy. It makes them the center of attention. They can walk into a fun, joyful room and just wreak hell in no time. You know those people. They're peace breakers. Somehow they love the attention. There are people who fake having peace. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. God is good. You know, but inside they are just a wreck. They're faking it. And then I believe there are those who are filled with the power and presence of the Spirit who look to Jesus as their life, who are making peace in the world. They're not just even going through trying not to. They are in the process of spreading peace to the people around them. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. That's who we're called to be. A people who walk with God in peace, who proclaim peace to the world around us, who live at peace with ourselves and others. Live in peace. We are in need of peace at this Christmas time, for sure. One of the songs I traditionally uses an illustration at this time of year, speaks of peace. It's not a song we sing all that often. It's by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Longfellow was a, a unique poet. You know, most poets, <clears throat> they write poetry. Nobody reads it. They die. Somebody finds it later. They like their poetry. They become famous after they're dead. But Longfellow was one of those unique poets who actually found fame and fortune during his lifetime. He was a very well-known poet of his day. Longfellow uh, had a terrible tragedy in 1861. Um, 
through a tragic accident, his wife of many years, uh, his wife named Fanny, uh, you know, fire was the main form of lighting and heat, and her dress caught fire, and um, as a result of the flame, she perished. Longfellow, in his attempt to put out the flames on his wife, her dress caught fire, he was severely burned. Uh, evidently, it wasn't until after 1861 that he started uh, sporting a beard, which was really done to hide the scars on his face as a result of the fire uh, from which his wife perished. He, he, he was devastated by her death. He was so devastated that uh, when the Civil War broke out in the 1860s, it was already going on in 1861, but when it, it kind of escalated more, his son hit wartime age, and he refused to let his son go to war for fear of, he's already lost his wife, I can't lose my son. He had enough financial resources to keep his son out of the war, um, and his son, though, being a, you know, a patriotic, so to speak, young man, went off to war in any way and was severely injured in battle. He was taken to Washington, D.C., and Longfellow traveled down to Washington, D.C. to see his son, who would eventually recover physically, but mentally and spiritually was severely damaged by the effects of war. And on Christmas, Longfellow was walking through um, Washington, D.C., and he heard these bells say, and he kind of peeling through the the air during the middle of the Civil War of 1863, experiencing the tragedy of his wife's death and now his son's severe injury. And he wrote these familiar words in a poem while in Washington, which said this, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. Wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. He writes three or four more stanzas of this where he more or less talks about the circumstances of the world around him. War, cannons, guns, the tragedy of death. And he gets to this point in the fifth stanza and he says this. After recounting all these things, he said, and in despair I bowed my head. And he said to himself, there is no peace on earth. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. He flips from the first verse of saying the carols are proclaiming peace on earth, goodwill to men. Recounting circumstances and situations, he gets to this place and he, he's despairing when he says, there is, it's just mockery. It's made up. There is no peace on earth, I said. The, we often go through this battle ourselves where we, we see in faith what God says, but then we recount what's going on in our lives and we get to a place of desperation. And let me just say, the fifth stanza of this great hymn is where Satan wants you to stay. He wants you to stay despairing. He wants you to stay hopeless. He wants you to look at the truth that God proclaims of peace on earth, goodwill to men, and he wants you to say that is a lie. It is not true. But the greatness of this hymn is found in the sixth verse where in spite of everything, Longfellow says, 
then pealed the bells, loud and deep. And he says to himself, what the bells are saying, really? God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The right, the wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. What's going to win? Peace on earth, goodwill to men. The message of the Christ coming. The message of Jesus Christ will win. And we need to be a people of hope proclaiming to the world around us that our God reigns. Because unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace. There'll be no end. Lord, we thank you this morning. Jesus, that you are the Prince of Peace. You are the one who can bring peace. You can allow peace to arbitrate in our lives and in our hearts. You can allow peace uh, to, to, to help us live lives of peace with those around us. God, this morning, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. May the increase of your government and peace in our lives individually, in the life of this church, in our city, in our nation, in our world, may it keep growing, may it never end. Lord, I pray for anyone here this morning who is not living at peace with God. They've never come to a place where they said, Jesus, I ask you to rule my life and to forgive my sins. May today be a day of peace for them. Where the the blood of Jesus offers forgiveness and brings us into right relationship with our Creator. Lord, I pray for those of us who are followers of yours, but we have allowed the cares of the world to be where we look rather than the peace of God. May we turn our eyes again toward you. May we hear the bells that proclaim our God is not dead. He doesn't sleep. Jesus is working in our hearts and lives. Peace on earth, goodwill. To the people around us. Lord, I pray that now when we come to a time where we give back to you a portion of what you've given to us, that God, this will not be a merely a religious activity, but this will be a declaration of worship, of thanksgiving, and of peace. Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.